athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Yo. Why is Jada kiss as hard as it gets? Why is Welcome the to another edition to of Artist in Row here on Major Art Voice and Sirius XM, Channel 141. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a whole lot to get to in today's program. I hope you're continuing to be safe where you are. Listen, it, it, we're here in the state of North Carolina. We were in phase two, really still are in phase two. The governor set to make uh, an announcement by June 26th as to whether we would be in phase three and what phase three would require. You would have a lot more openings right now in our state. Bars are closed. Gyms are closed. So in essence, in phase three, I'm not going to say you'd be totally back to normal, but for all intents and purposes, you would be back to normal. But guess what? North Carolina remains in phase two, there are a lot, even though there's more testing at first, when more testing became available, you saw a rise in coronavirus related health concerns or people that had COVID-19 or coronavirus uh, deaths, etc. But that's even though there's still more testing, it's more than just the testing. And so we're going to remain. And I know in a lot of other states, the numbers are not looking good right now. We're going to remain where we are in phase two. And I tell you what, you have a lot of these people out here. You have these state rights. The government can't tell me what to do type of people that are out here that are the same ones that aren't practicing social distancing, that aren't wearing masks. It just became mandatory, as a matter of fact, in the state of North Carolina to wear a mask that hadn't happened before. But you have all of these people that want to skate around the rules because they don't want the government to tell them what to do. It's all about states' rights. We remember what, what states' rights was going back uh, to the Civil War. I mean, I'm not going to, well, we may get into a little bit uh, of discussion about uh, some of those things as it relates as a matter of fact we will as it relates to race but that that's the thing like we have this state's rights government can't tell me what to do mentality we go out skirt around what the government says i mean whether you like what the government says or not at the end of the day i think we're at least in our state of north carolina maybe other states as well where the 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 numbers continue to surge. Florida, uh, other you know Texas, other places. It, it's because people, the the government puts these type of regulations in place. Uh, at least in this instance, I'm not. I'm, I'm listen. Sometimes I'm not all for government regulations and uh, and 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 all about 
you know, the, 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 the law, try to follow the law to the best of my ability. But a lot of times following the law can get you dead, uh, you know, sometimes. So, I'm, I'm, I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I, 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 but I think in this situation where you have a public health crisis, you need to follow what the government is saying. I want to be able to do a lot of the things that everybody that go back to as much of a regular life as possible, like anybody else. But when you don't do the things that the government has put in place, guess what? The, 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 where we are now, like for us in the state of North Carolina in phase two, we're going to remain in phase two. So you can either follow the rules, be mad, but follow the rules, or you can be mad, not follow the rules. And guess what? We're still going to be in phase two. I feel for, I have a business. I feel for businesses, more specifically the bars. Uh, the, a lot of times these rules are put in place to protect people from themselves. Some may say, well, why can you go to a Walmart, but you can't go to a bar? Well, you know, in my opinion, the bars and that type of scene, um, it's it's less controllable than you know, shopping at a Walmart. Or I don't want to say what, but shopping at a department store or whatever the case may be. It's less controllable. So why not even put people in those type of situations? Thus, you don't allow for those type of businesses to open. We have to follow the rules if we want to get out of this, because at the end of the day, the government's going to put the rules in place that they think are best. Follow those rules. Guess what? We'll never get back to some sense of normalcy. I mean, at the end of the day, I think ultimately what this is going to require is a vaccine. But I mean, come on, people, just let's let's follow the rules so we can all get through this. Let's stop talking about the government can't tell us what to do. Can't tell me what to do. States rights. I can do this. I Let's stop that so that we if, if you wear face covering and, and there's some debate about what a face covering does, does it prevent you from catching the coronavirus? Does it prevent the spread? Everything I've read more so says that wearing some type of face covering lessens the possibility of spreading the coronavirus. Guess what? If you wear, if everybody wears a face covering in public, there's a less chance of spreading the Corona virus. Let's forget about states rights. Let's forget about the government. Can't tell me what to do. Let's come together on this so that the numbers can continue to go down so that we can get back to a sense of some type of normalcy. Listen, that's my little rant or at least from that perspective today here on From the Press Box to Press Royal. Listen, there's so many other things that I want to get to on the program. We've talked, obviously, uh, at length about George Floyd and his murder at the hands of the police. There have been so many different videos that have been coming out. Uh, more recently, we see the the uh, the murder of Rayshard uh, uh, Brooks, who had a funeral um, uh, uh, who had a funeral here more recently in Atlanta at the hands of the police. What made me, I mean, it, it, it just burned me up to no end, but I think more so. And, and whenever I, I like to, whenever I talk, I, I like to talk about seeing things in their context or in the entirety of their context. You can't, I, 
if you watch one portion of that video of the murder of Mr. Brooks, you can come away thinking one thing and you'd be right to think that that police officer murdered Rayshard Brooks. And I thought that uh, the police officer was was sort of toying with Mr. Brooks. It was just inexcusable, really. But if you look at the video in totality, the aftermath of the video, this police officer went on like every day, like it was business as usual. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I've never been in that particular position, so I can't really say I would think knowing myself, if even if something like that had happened, I would have, you know, I, I probably, you know, I would have been, you know, maybe wanted to go sit down somewhere. I would have had to sit and think about. He acted like not, like this was an everyday occurrence. And to me, as disturbing as was the video that showed the murder, the after part of the video with all of the interactions with the various officers, um, some, some of it, uh, was I, I was just offended to no end his callousness after he shot somebody and ultimately killed them. This has got to stop. You know, we got a lot to get to about that on today's program in terms of racism, race relations, uh, uh, et cetera. I mean, so many protests continuing to go on, rightfully so. You have the removal of statues and the like. So many things to get to on today's edition of Box to Row. Joining us today here on Box to Row, Academy Award winning director Spike Lee. Spike Lee going to join us today here on Box to Row. He's got a new project out, The Five Bloods. I've had a chance to see it on Netflix. It's pretty good. Uh, and he's going to talk about that as well as other other things. Listen, only got a short time. Like, this is an interview. I've been uh, looking to track down Spike Lee on and off for the better part of the last 12 years, finally able to catch up with him, got about 10 minutes with him. So we're going to maximize those 10 minutes with Spike Lee today here on Box to Row. Also joining us today here on Box to Row, we're going to introduce to some and present to others singer Porcelain. Singer Porcelain also going to join us today here on Box to Row. Also, Tony McGee was part of the Black 14. I had a chance to, I didn't, I was unfamiliar with the Black 14. And if you're not familiar with the Black 14, it was 14 football players uh, who ultimately were part of the protests in 1969 at the University of Wyoming. It was a time when Wyoming football was really big. Uh, there was uh, a lot going on with the student body, wanted to, to, to have some protests, more so I think around an upcoming opponent, BYU or Brigham Young, who was not, uh, at that time, Brigham Young was not allowing for uh, for black priesthood at that time. And so uh, the students put together a protest. The football players, 14 football players, black football players, ultimately part of, of that. It was this big deal. I had no idea about it, knew who Tony McGee was, played uh, most notably with the, uh, well, not most notably. It, it, he won a Super Bowl with the Redskins, but also played with the Patriots and also played with the Bears, had a really good career in the National Football League. Tony McGee also going to join us today here on Box to Row. 
your participation here on Box to Row always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. You can also hit me up via via my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one Also, on my personal Instagram account at where Donald again. Thank you for joining us on this special edition of Box to Row. Listen, these protests continue. This is not like anything that we've ever seen before where we've had a, a, a young black male unarmed or and female uh, Brianna Taylor and, and, and just the colossalness of what happened in Louisville behind Brianna Taylor is, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I want to say it's unbelievable, but I mean, not really in this society, which is why we are starting to really see things really, really changing. You know, I don't know about in your state, but here in the state of North Carolina have seen many, as a matter of fact, to the point that not only were monuments, okay, Confederate monuments that, you know, again, I've changed my stance on this. Like for me, you know, if you have a, if you, if you put up a monument, it, 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 for me, it was like, it's part of history. But now that I know why the monuments are put up, I'm, I'm not opposed to them coming down. Um, but you've had citizens take them down, drag them through the streets. As a matter of fact, here in Raleigh, we had some monuments strung up uh, on a light pole. So it, 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 to the point that the governor had to come in and had to uh, made sure that the monuments uh, in Raleigh were taken down. Got a lot more to get to today on the program. Uh, still to come here, Spike Lee. But up next, we're going to be joined by singer Porcelain here. On Box to Row, HR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141. You're listening to Box to Pro. You make me better. You make me better. You plus me. It equal better math. Your boy, a good look. Still to come here on from the press box to press where we're going to be joined by singer Porcelain. Singer Porcelain going to join us on the program. She's going to join us in the next segment. So had a chance to catch up with Tony McGee. Tony McGee, former National Football League player, 14 years in the NFL with the Bears, Patriots, and the Redskins where he won a Super Bowl. Was also part of the Black 14 at the uh, University of Wyoming, 14 Players from the football, racial discrimination, and uh, their coach was against it at the time. And as a matter of fact, what you can do uh, on Sirius XM Channel 142, we're juxtaposing that. I'm going to juxtapose the Black 14 with the massacre in Orangeburg in 1969, where one coach said, I don't want you to do it. You can't do it. The other coach encouraged uh, protesting to happen. Well, again, had a chance to catch up with Tony Banks, again, part of the Black 14, uh, and uh, talk about his time at Wyoming and being part of the Black 14. Take us back to that time in 1969 uh, with respect to what the climate was around there in in Wyoming and the stance that you as football players took. Well, you know, if you look back and what transpired is at the University of Wyoming when you came in, as usually they would recruit maybe 
four or five African-Americans at a time. And as we came in, another African-American, the older ones would tell us what was transpiring, you know, where to go in the city, what to do. Really draw the lines for you. One thing they would always tell you, when you play BYU, play the hardest you can because you're going to get dirty ball play from that. And we kind of understood that. And they would tell us what would happen, the names they would be calling, what would transpire, how the coaches would tell them. If you go over there to church, by you in at the school, you can't go up in into the hall because you're not allowed in there. You can only go into the foyer. And they didn't look at black men. Is rising to the high echelon of man. They like to look at the low men. So we kind of understood what that's going to. But when you're actually in a game, and this is in 1969, which it was supposed to be better race relation then, then you're called out of your name or you're cheap shotted. And I remember one play I got cut so bad, I went over and I tried to tell the official, and the official told me to shut up and play ball. Now, I, I, he's supposed to be a neutral from what I understand. Our coaches never spoke to him. I had one player on my team, Larry Nails, which was a pretty much close to All-American that year. He said, we'll get him. But you knew the kind of atmosphere that you would get at Brigham Young. Nobody changed it, whereas it would always be that way. I'm sorry about all my phones ringing. I'm in my hall. That's okay. It's just a thought process you had, and you always wanted to play hard against them. But what happened that year, the Black Student Alliance, led by a gentleman or a guy, I'm not going to go all the way to say gentleman named Willie Black, I'm sorry. Uh, they wanted to protest. And since it was homecoming, they wanted to protest against Brigham Young. And they wanted us to be involved. Well, we kind of understood that uh, we would be the power, but at the same time, we were number 12 in the nation. They told us if we win two more games, we'd go to the Sugar Bowl. They had been the Bowls prior to that, but this was supposed to be the best team uh, that Wyoming's had in years. And during that time, we had played four games, and out of four games, I don't know what you're aware of sacks are. That's getting to the quarterback. Four games, I had 11 sacks, so I was feeling pretty good about that. Everybody on the Black 14, pretty much uh, seven or eight of us were starters. We all were doing very well, and we were the core of that team. But at the same time, we were re- we realized at that time with social injustice and things that are going on even to this day that we had to have a voice. We couldn't just be athletes. But at the same time, we weren't protesting at that time, all of us. We weren't protesting the school. We were protesting the way we were treated. So what they did in the Black Student Alliance asked us, will we, uh, will we stand with them? We said, no, we, we're not going to stand with you. They said, well, can you think about doing something like wearing armbands? We said, i tell you what. Uh, we'll consider that. We're going to go back and talk to the group. So we went back to the group, and the reason we spoke with the group, because we had two, a couple of guys on there, two to three that were married, or almost married. So we told those guys right away, you don't need to be involved with this. It's going to be your choice. If you feel you want to be involved with this, you're more than welcome. But we understand you got families and wives to take care of, so you need to back out. And nobody wanted to back out, so we said, okay. Joe had heard a little rumor, Joe uh, Williams, that, Eden had heard about us, and he had said, if we did anything, we were going to be in trouble. So we all got the idea, okay, let's go over to the field house on Friday before the game, take the bands, wear them over, let him see them. If he tell us that he doesn't want us to wear those armbands, then they're going to play. We're not wearing the armbands. Well, lo and behold, as soon as we walked into the field house, he made us wait there. He came out and said, as of this moment, uh, yeah, I'm going to save you a lot of time and breath. You're no longer a Wyoming cowboy. Then he went into the field house to sit down. He berated us for two hours, and I mean cursed us out, told us that half of us didn't even know who our parents were. 
Half of it was fatherless. Half of it, he told me that I was picking up cigarette butts on the street of Battle Creek, and I was, and that was a lie. Mm. He told us that we need to go back and get on, go to the go to the Gramlins and the Bethune Cookmans and those Morgan states of the world. And if we didn't do that, go back and get on colored relief. If you don't know what I mean, get on Negro relief. Now, this is Lloyd Eaton. We, we were utterly shocked. We put out, so then the athletic director heard about it and the governor, and they wanted to have a meeting that night, and uh, the meeting went on for hours and hours. Uh, Eaton would not even give us the autonomy or the thought process to lead this on by even coming out of his house and looking at the, uh, and, and listening to us at the meeting. So he said he wasn't going to waste his time coming out. So we stayed there one or two in the morning, and uh, we decided that we were going back. So right before we left, and I always try to tell both sides of it, uh, we were going to uh, a couple of the assets, the athletic director, somebody said, what can we do to have you play them out? Now, lo and behold, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We've been negotiating all day. The game was at 12 o'clock the next day. Do you think we'd have been playing? No. But one of our guys blurted out, fire the coach, fire the athletic director. Well, no one said anything. And I, I tell you, this is a part of the, the story that I hope everyone just holds on to because we were supposed to be together then. We were supposed to be unified, and we had agreed that – we may disagree with each other, but we will not do it in front of them. We will come together and and resolve our differences in a manly way. So we didn't say anything, and to this day I kind of regretted it because that's not what we wanted. So with that happening, with the story being misconstrued, it came out that we were protesting the church, we were protesting religion, nothing really came out about what we were doing. Things kind of just elevated. We went to the game the next day. You had people for us, people against us. But then it started to get ugly around this, this town. People were going after. The whole state hated us after a while. And, and then we found out Eden had taken our scholarships. So I did not find out until this time last year that uh, some instructors and teachers had helped some of the Black 14 to uh, even get through school the rest of that year. I thought they were back on scholarships because they went back on the team, but they weren't. Speaking of going back on the team, what transpired after he saw he was... Go ahead. You can pick up from there. Well, after uh, so many uh, days and time was passing, people started to tell Lloyd Eden that he was wrong on this situation. So he actually asked to the thought press a little bit and said, well, these guys, if they want to come back and try out for their position in spring ball... I will allow that. Well, at that time, I knew I'd never go back. I found out that the coaches and Eden, they went around and called two or three of the guys and tried to get them to go back, but they felt like I was a troublemaker. So here we were. And then, now to tell you about Willie Black, he told us when all this happened, the one thing we wanted to make sure, not that we were just football players, we wanted to make sure we had teams, we wanted to make sure we had a chance to continue our education. He told us it was schools that were waiting for us. That was not true. We were blackballed by every school pretty much in the country. Hmm. Now, here we are, got a lot of top players, and nobody picked none of us up. Bishop College took me because one of the black 14, Jay Berry, was going back there, told them about me, and they gave me a scholarship. Hmm. That's why I'm sitting here speaking to you today. Hmm. As it got ugly, you know, as I said, some of the 
teach some of the instructors and people help some of the players. But someone left because it was getting pretty harsh there. You know, we was having fights. And, and like I tell you, one of my classes I know I went in, and it was led by a young lady who was a Mormon. And it was the time when I started that class before the protest, I had like a B plus. Uh, by the time the protest was over, I had a D, and she would not even speak to me. Wow. And this is my instructor. I had a person call my room and tell my roommate, who was Ted Williams at that time, that they were going to get me. I had some police try to arrest us, tell us that we was uh, I, I, that I had been disorderly with a pizza guy because he almost ran over my girlfriend's foot on purpose. But they were messing with us. And then last but not least, when they called my room, they said they were going to get me. A couple of days later, they found a guy on the building with a high-powered rifle. So you know it was time for us to leave. And I left after that, and I went down to Bishop College. And as I went down to Bishop College, I played there one year. Uh, I accomplished a lot. And, you know, right now, some people trying to get me in the HBCU Hall of Fame because I feel like I want the world to know that the product they saw on ESPN the other day wasn't because of Wyoming. It was because of Bishop College. Hmm. But I went down to Bishop College for one year. We had nine games, as I think I told you. Uh, I had 109 tackles in nine games. I made Black College All-American. I, I made uh, Chicago Tribune, best 48 players in the country. Went down there to play the game as the way you play the former Super Bowl champions, which at that time was Baltimore. You play them. And it was a scout there from Chicago. And we had been through the draft, and I got drafted on the third round. People thought that was great coming from Bishop, but he said, man, he said, i tell you what, because I was starting for the Chicago All-Star team, and he said, you just keep your nose and play ball because we, we lucky we got you at the time. I said, what do you mean? He said, you were going number one to the Rams until they called until they called Wyoming. They told you you were the main troublemaker. Mm. All through my career, every now and then I had to hear about uh, Wyoming or what this or that and it followed me all the way but I don't mind that because we stood up for something and they're still talking about it and we were barrier breakers it was something that had to be done something that they're really just recovering from but the beauty of it here we are 50 years later and there's people apologizing trying to make right for something they had nothing to do with and so we're working together as a team now we work with Wyoming and we, the Black 14 is putting together a lot of things. Now, they've done a lot of great things for us this year. Tony McGee was part of the Black 14 in 1969 at the University of Wyoming. And you can listen to that interview in its entirety on our website at BotchToRow.com. Singer Porcelain is up next. continue here on Botch to Row. We're joined by a young lady. I'll tell you what, she's got an absolutely magnificent voice. The forthcoming album is Mood Ring, and the latest video that's out is called Act Out, and it is awesome. She also has a single that is forthcoming called Grimy. She is Porcelain. She joins us here on Botch to Row. Porcelain, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me Absolutely. Glad to have you. I, you know, I, I first uh, uh, saw the video Lois Lane, which I thought was awesome. But even before we get to all of that, you know, when you look at 
what has happened the last three months. You talk about COVID-19. You're talking about George Floyd and his killing and um, certainly the protests that have followed. I I just want to kind of get your thoughts, first of all, uh, on on George Floyd and and, and sort of what you saw there and just, just your thoughts about what you felt when you saw that video of George Floyd getting murdered. Um, I mean, I lost the words. I mean, it totally turned my stomach. I'm not a person who can really stand to see that type of, that type of violence, especially murdering an innocent black man on camera. It was just, it was too much for me, you know, especially me being the type of person I feel other people's pain and just imagining myself in that particular situation it's just sad it just made me sad and it, it just made me feel like we have grown a lot but not really you know what I'm saying it yeah. hasn't been it's not we haven't really been free or just had real rights that long and we still struggle to we still struggle to even when we were so-called supposed to have this and we were so-called supposed to be able to do these things, we weren't really able to do that because so many people have so much hate and to know that somebody can hate the way you look, your skin has nothing to do with your who you are as a person. For somebody to hate that that much, it, it sickens me to my stomach that somebody could dislike somebody because of a color. And, and, it's, and, and for me, you know, we've always had to, as, a, as black people, have to really just fight for everything we've we've gotten and there's a you know just watching that and how people feel i think that everybody out there who's protesting we're all angry for different reasons because we all experience a level of racism and prejudice in our jobs in our communities in our life in general so you have people not only marching for him but marching for their cousins, their aunts, their grandmothers, their sisters, their brothers who've been murdered cold-blooded that didn't get reported, didn't get recorded. Because, I mean, I've, I've, you know, had people in my family go through that and have been killed because of racism. You know, black men, and and I have friends who, you know, are black guys that that go through that on a regular basis. It could be because you, you look like somebody. You know what I'm saying? You look like this person down here that is guilty of this and you're not that person because you don't look like them but the way that they characterize us as a people is that we all the same we all talk the same we all act the same and just watching that kind of like brought up those emotions of of just you know how i've seen my mother and my grandmother or my father struggle in the job force or, or just how hard they have to work and even in my position as a black artist as a black female artist it's still like boundaries in that. It's always like a higher level. You have to work. You have to work harder to to be considered an equal or to, or to be considered um, on the same level. And that sucks. Yeah. It, it really does suck. It's like we we have never really truly been been given a fair shot. Not just not. And I'm not saying like to be acknowledged by people because we don't have to be acknowledged by um, anyone. You know, oh, can you please let me be equal? No, we don't have to be that. But it's like we've never been given a fair shot in the job force. You know, having the same qualifications, having, you know, more knowledge than others, more educational background. We have not been given an equal opportunity. So, you know, it's just been really, 
it's been really, really sad watching this because it's just like you see George Floyd and you see yourself. Yep. No, that I think. That could have been you. That, no, you know? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think it's, I mean, I think it's very well said and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because you talk about racism, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. But again, April 4th, 1968 in Memphis is where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. That's where you're from. What, what sort of the climate there specifically in Memphis? Um, I think it's that with with George Floyd being killed in the mud and and Brianna and it, it it's for me it's like it's a chain reaction across the not across the world. And it's the same temperature here. Because I mean we've had protests and, you know, people you know, things being torn apart, people with the same energy and and, you know, I noticed that there has been a lot of news uh, or just a lot of um, information, not news, information about just Martin. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's just it, here, it's like it's, it reminds us like, dang, I mean, black men have been getting murdered for years and years and years and years and years and the climate is definitely it's it's sad here just like everywhere else it's pain here i just think it's pain all across the world you know just for everybody and you know right now it's kind of like i feel when i know it's been happening you know so many black men and children black young boys have died and nobody knows about it right now you know yeah and yeah, so the climate here is is just as sad as everywhere else. Yeah. No, no question about it. That the voice of singer Porcelain. She joins us here on Box to Row. She's got a new single uh, that's coming out called Grimy. Be on the lookout for the forthcoming album uh, entitled Mood Ring. You know, the latest video, at least that I saw Porcelain, is called Act Out. Speak to that. And, and to me... Uh, when I watched the video, it reminded me a lot about the mood movie, the uh, thin line between love and hate. Yeah, um, I watch. I'm a '90s girl. Um, act, okay, I was born in '90, obviously, so I lived through that whole decade. <laughs> and I, I, I feel like if you if you weren't really in the '90s. Uh, like you you didn't really get to experience that like you didn't really get a chance to be a part of such a major movement i think in in movies and music and fashion and all that and for me thin line between love and hate is a i hadn't really seen any black like even to this day and somebody out there could correct me if i'm wrong but i haven't really seen any movies that show a black rich woman in that type of and depict her character that way. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Because you see her in the movie. She's pretty. She's got it. You know, you think she's got it all together, but she mentally, emotionally, she's broken. And I think that I wanted to show that in the video because, you know, she was she was fly, you know, but she still, she got hurt. You know, a no good guy, a guy that she gave a chance to. You know, somebody she gave a heart to and she thought that, you know, he was going to be different. But she wasn't mentally capable, emotionally capable of taking that, that hurt, that pain again. And I kind of act out for me. I wanted to show that vulnerability inside of the song 
as well as in the visual. So it's like in the song when I wrote it, and I actually wrote it with um, a producer named Hamilton Harden, um, writer Daenerys Holmes. So when we sat down and we came up with this, we was all going through relationship stuff. So <laughs> it was like, you know, all I want is somebody who's going to ride for me. Like, who's going to clown for me and act crazy for me? Because as much as people want to say, I don't want nobody, you know, who act a fool. You want somebody to act a fool over you. Because it shows you how much they really care about you, that they'll go to the, the length to show you that they love you and just be real with you and ride or die with you through the good and the bad, you know. And I, I wanted to express that in my song. Yeah. And also show, like, hey, you know, don't hurt me because I can't take it. Because a lot of people... Love make you do crazy things. And even though in the thin line between love and hate, he probably wasn't in love with her. But I think definitely she really let her guard down and thought that he actually loved her. She mm. took those words very serious. So I wanted to definitely show that because that was a real, that was like made me want to start acting, you know, wow. when I got older, play the pretty crazy one. <laughs> so I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to do that. Like, because nobody saw that coming. I mean, he was like, oh, she bad, you know, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a that's a really good, that, that was a great movie, a really good uh, way to put that. We're joined by singer Porcelain here on Box to Row. Follow her uh, on Twitter, Instagram, at Porcelain Music. Uh, signing to the record label, of David Porter, legendary there, a legendary songwriter. As a matter of fact, was it was inducted into the uh, the Songwriters Hall of Fame uh, in, in 2005. He's from Memphis, uh, very instrumental in Stax music, which is a big time part of the music scene uh, or the history of the music scene there in Memphis. You know, what is it like working with him and him having signed you to his label? Um, it's been amazing. I mean, working with him, I learned so much because it's, even with songwriting, there's an art to it. You know, there's a way to go about doing it. And if you learn the steps that it takes, um, in, in getting a, a, a good song, one that's impactful and just dissecting it, he kind of taught me those things. Like, and I'm able to apply it the way that, you know, from a creative standpoint, the way that I would apply it. So I've learned, I learned a lot, you know. I came on. I thought I was great at songwriting when I came on. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, no, 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 no. And I was like, but why? You know, and we kind of started going over this. And, you know, he broke it all the way down for me. And I, 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 I'm honored because it's, it's great when older people want to give back to the youth and the younger people who are doing this because it's like, I feel like that's where the real stars came from. You know, the Otis Redding, like I love Otis Redding. I mean, his voice and the conviction you feel when he sings, like it's coming, it, it's coming from a real place. And being around someone who can communicate what that is, because, I mean, a lot of people just think, okay, I'm getting up there, I'm singing, and that's what it is. That's not really it, what it is. It's an art to that. It's an art to preserving your voice. It's an art to reaching people without without overdoing it to to where you look like you're you're trying to um please you know I, i'm performing for you guys please love me please love me you don't want to make them feel that way you want to bring them into your world so being around him i've learned the art of artistry um just the way of writing a song 
you know, just inter- interview key points, certain things that have become like an instinct for me. Yeah. So, you know, practicing, working, breaking down my music, it's just been great. And it's an honor to, to be, you know, involved in his legacy because, you know, he, nobody's around forever. You know, everybody wants to leave something behind and leave something like, hey, I instilled what I learned through the years into you guys, into my artists, and y'all going to take it the rest of the way. So it's, 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 a, it's a great, fortunate opportunity. Singer Porcelain is joining us here on Box to Row, right here on HR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141. We're up against a break. We're going to step aside, take that break, come back with more of Porcelain. Again, you're locked into Box to Row, right here on HR Voices, Sirius XM, Channel 141. I got my wallet when you call up, boy, I'm guarded I'm so guarded me broken It's Donald Ware, Box to Row We're back here on Box to Row Continuing our conversation with singer Porcelain on the program You know uh, you, you, the '90s, like I, you know, and, and it, it's interesting. You mentioned the '90s. I mean, I, 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 I the my favorite era, uh, really in music, was the '80s. But when somebody was saying something to me, and I had to really step back and think about it because the '90s is really when our, everything in the '80s was pop. You know, '70s was that real soul music. So for me, the '90s came back. Plus, the emergence of hip hop was so great in the '90s that I had to sort of change my tune a little bit and then the 90s really uh was awesome that said what can we i mean can we expect more of that sort of 90s feel from this forthcoming album mood ring um yeah actually i wanted to be because i feel like vocally r&b has inspired my entire life you know, if you're a black artist, the first thing you probably listen to, you're listening to Soul, you know, you're listening to the Commodores and the Bobby Womax and the Stevie Wonders, but then you're listening to Jodeci, you're listening to Mary J, you're listening to all of those incredible groups, Total, and all those people that had a major, I think those two generations had the most influence on my life. So in, like, my music, it's like I have, I can have a soulful um a soulful essence, but then I have a 90s essence, and I think that I mean, it's it's great. R&B is never left, but it's really being put to the forefront, because people, I feel like at this point, they've rapped and, you know, and done that, and I think now, even with rap, it's, influ- it's infused with R&B elements. Everything has R&B elements in it, and a lot of the people now are definitely pulling from the 90s, but I feel like there's no one who especially in my generation who has the the sound and it's like I want to have I want to this project is definitely going to be centered around that feel but it's going to be more elevated it's, it's going to be from mooring you're going to get porcelain you're going to get my essence of, of what you know I want and, and you want to never be like somebody else you want to be in your own space but you will definitely get my my space in this in this project and it definitely has a 90s feel and, and a lot of people think you know when you say 90s it's like okay it's gonna be throwbacks 
but that's not with the 90s I feel like at that point when you heard Jodeci you and I were total kissing you or like records like that you or Mary J and you know you feel you feel it it sound wrong right. it sound wrong it sound real and I think that and that was where R&B was. It was an emotion. It was a storyline. It was substance. And I think that I want to definitely bring that back with this project for sure because I feel like it's necessary. You can still have the cool vibes and a cool sound, but you can also be talking about something. You know what I'm saying? That's you right. can also convict people's spirits and talk about real situations and, and relationships and love. And I feel like that's what R&B really is about in the 90s was about especially I mean, because they did hip-hop, too. So you'll hear hip-hop trap elements. You'll hear some smooth R&B elements. But all of them is definitely going to be centered around that vibe, for sure. Absolutely. Wrapping it up with singer Porcelain here on Box to Row. Again, follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Porcelain Music. So there in, in Memphis, are you a huge sports fan? Like, are you into the Memphis Grizzlies? I am, but I'm not like a huge. <laughs> don't don't ask me to start naming them because I'm <laughs> you like. But you re- you rep your know. city, of course, right? You rep your city. Yep, definitely. No question. Now, so now I, I think I went. You you attended. What school did you you went to college? What school did you attend? Um, I I, I can go to college like a full four years. I'm not gonna say I did that, but yeah. I actually went in. I went. Um, I went to, I was at a, I started at a little community college in DeSoto County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? You asking me a question, I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 has it been that long, Porcelain? Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's, it's been almost 10 years. Wow. I'm just going to be here. I just, I, it, um, Ooh, I think it was like, uh, ooh. I think it was DeSoto County, because yeah. DeSoto, DeSoto Community College. Yeah. Sure. It no. was. Well, no. It, it was a long time ago. Yeah. No, it's all good. Well, your, you know, your your career definitely is in evolving, no question about it. Uh, like I said, the latest video is act out. As a matter of fact, Lois Lane, which is the one that I had a chance to see that was very good, made it all the way to number 12 on Urban AC Radio, which is absolutely awesome. The forthcoming single is called Grimy. The forthcoming album is called Mood Ring. Again, follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Porcelain Music. She is Porcelain. Joins us here on Box to Row. Porcelain, we really appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, singer Porcelain joining us here on the program. And I tell you what, she's getting ready to take off um, a great disposition. Um, She's a really, really good singer and um, it's got a great, great manager and management behind her there in Memphis. So I think Porcelain, I'm telling you what, she is going to blow up. I want to switch gears a little bit here on the program. Again, talked a little bit earlier on uh, about COVID-19 situation, obviously, but uh, the the lack, especially here in our state, why we are still going to be in phase two, why the numbers are continuing to rise. North Carolina, um, Florida, Texas, and some other states. And it's just a matter of following 
the rules. Practice social distancing, wear the masks, don't go out and be amongst a whole lot of people just because you want to have fun for that particular moment. We really need to get on this thing and nip it in the bud so that we can go back to some sense of normalcy. You know, in the sports world, I mean, you have the NBA that's saying um, they're going to, and Florida is one of those places where the numbers are rising rapidly, actually, but they're going to play towards the latter part of July, the sort of play-in situation, and then the playoffs are going to begin. Major League Baseball set to begin either July 23rd or July 24th. MLS. Um, who else? The National Football League says that they are continuing to uh, go business as usual as if the season is going to start on time. But in in all of those scenarios and, you know, MLS and women's soccer, by the way, you have instances where you have players that have the coronavirus or have had the coronavirus. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, I get it with baseball. There's a natural social distancing there. But all of these other NHL, by the way, also going to get it started. But all of these other sports are contact sports. And by the way, PGA, um, uh, I think caddies of some of the of, of, of a couple of the golfers that actually uh, got the coronavirus, got coronavirus as well. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, how, you know, how are how we are continuing to learn about this? Like, how are we going to get things started on time? I just don't see it. I'm, I'm trying to see it. I want to be optimistic like everybody else, but I want to be a realist in the way that that the numbers are rising in certain states the way that we're still learning about this, I just don't know. I just don't see it. And then you look at it from the collegiate football standpoint where you have a lot of of these student athletes of the respective teams that are testing positive. They've, uh, I believe the mandate from the NCAA said you could start things back on June 8th, yet we're seeing, it's almost like, it's almost like, Get together. Um, if if you catch the coronavirus, you catch it, you get through it, then you should be able to move on. I think the studies have indicated that. I mean, I, I've heard different things. Once you've caught the coronavirus, you um, probably won't get it again. I, I don't know, you know, where we are in that stage. But, I mean, listen, it, it's amateur football at the college. Well, in theory, it's amateur football at the collegiate level. Like, I had a son that played college football. Would I want my son to, in this environment, in this pandemic, where we are, going to suit up to play a game? And not only to suit up, the preparation leading up to suiting up. I mean, I realize they're doing everything that they can to try to social distance and try to put these measures in place, but I'm going to tell you what, I just, I just don't, I don't know. I, 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 I want this to happen. I want sports to return. Um, I mean, if it doesn't, I'm okay with that too. I mean, I'm about people's safety first. So I'm okay with that too. I don't need to be entertained at the expense of somebody dying. Like, I get it. Younger people, less apt to die, all of those things. But that doesn't mean they can't die. So we, I think we got to be very, very careful about this. Listen, before we get out of here on Box to Row today, 
Were, are, are you for the fabulous versus Jadakiss on Instagram? I mean, I look and by the way, uh, we'd be a little bit partial on this program or I'd be a little bit partial to Jadakiss because he's a friend of the program. He's come on the program a couple of times. But I tell you what, Jadakiss is one of the best to ever do it. I, I don't know. It's nothing against Fabulous. I don't know. I can't say that he's one of the best to ever do it. I know Jadakiss is one of the best to ever do it. You look at some of the songs and I get it. You know, you look at Fabulous and some of his song songs probably uh, maybe uh, more uh, in terms of popularity, uh, just overall, not in the rap game. Now, I think in the rap game, I think we would agree true hip-hop fans would say Jadakiss over Fabulous, but they both have a couple of hit, uh, not a couple, both have a, a plethora of hits and both have a plethora of hits, not only as featured artists, well, not only as um, uh, on albums such where they're the lead artists, but also where they're featured as, well, I'm there for that uh, Jadakiss versus Fabulous. Got to get ready to run here on Box to Row. Thank you to Porcelain for joining us on the program. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is presented by DW Communications. Yeah, Christopher Frank White Wallace. Yeah, it's your boy Kiss. I just want to holler. In your memory, I keep Coogee in my closet here. Can't go on the rack with fresh pair wallets. You know I'm still a liquor in the weed child. Still got Branson on speed dial. And everybody's the king now. You ain't gotta be nice, getting shot is the thing now. Mafia was doing their best, they separated now. Rock and gutter doing a stretch. Uh. Yeah, Kim is still in it to win it Seen money yell a while ago And I ain't heard from season a minute uh-uh. People in power is queer I could go on for a year about how it'd be